Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 123 with my friend and cousin, Stephanie Young. Here's a funny story. I don't know Stephanie. Um, We got connected through 23andMe, and there's a good chance that we may have met at some point in our adolescence, and we discussed that a little bit. But other than that, don't know each other. But we are related and connected through like modern technology, right? That's so strange. So I learned all about her and and what she's gone through. And I won't get too much into it because I'll let her do that. And then we'll talk after the episode. So without further ado, here's my friend and cousin, Stephanie Young. You and I have lots in common. My request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? Would you like to be my friend? Okay, so how are you? <laughs> Hi. I'm so Hi. I'm, I'm so excited about this. Um and for I'm, so nervous, but I'm excited. Yeah, I am I mean, well, I, I just told my wife I was like I'm going to try to stay on task, but I feel like I usually go on tangents of like random topics <laughs> and I feel like this is just going to be extra that. <laughs> Just because I, I, yeah, well, I normally start these with how I know you, and I think we're already going to be in a debate here. (laughs) Yeah, and I totally (laughs) forgot to ask my mom for that picture, so now, and I didn't just think of that until you started talking about cousins, and I was like, dick. Well, because, so you, you, you have a memory of, of us meeting, and I feel like a douchebag, because I don't, Um, but your memory is solidified by saying that I was playing guitar. Because I was like, well, that's right. kind of my MO. It would have been when my grandpa, Grandpa Jay, passed away. So I believe that's your that my, Nina's yeah, great uncle. Yeah. Brother. Yeah. Yeah. So your great uncle. Um, and from uh, what my mom told me is that you were there. And so that I believe she out. said she had a picture. <laughs> I don't know why yeah. I would have a guitar there. <laughs> well, because my oldest sibling played guitar. And, um, I believe had two at the time. So I guess everybody was kind of in the living room playing guitars and I really wish I would have asked her for that picture because I meant to send it to you. I, I'll do it. Was after. this at your house? Yeah, this would have been at my house. Um, yeah. There's, there's some blurry years in there. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, let's let's go back in time because you have I, the sure. the few things I know about you, I'm already curious about. Um, so you're you're born in Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you're a twin. Yes. I, I I'm younger by four minutes. Another thing that I feel like I would have remembered, but again, who knows? Um, right. And are you guys the youngest? Um, we have one younger sister. Okay. So, so on my mom's side, there's the oldest sibling who um, is boy or male, transgender male. And then me and the twin, but she's she's four minutes older than I am. And then my little sister. Okay. Um, so there's four of you total. Got yes. Uh, I wonder how much, what's the uh, age difference between you and your little sister? Two years. Oh, okay, so pretty close. Yeah, pretty close. So, although we were not very close. <laughs> um, and what is the dynamic like family-wise in your house when you guys are born? Like, what what do your mom and dad do? What do what's what's going? What's the sitch? Yeah. So my dad was a window cleaner. Um, mom was a housewife, and she pretty much. I mean, with four of us, she really stayed home and kind of ran the household. Um, she even homeschooled us, um, which was interesting. And I'm sorry if I say I'm a lot. I probably say I'm a lot. That's all. Um, Everybody does. And yeah, <laughs> I should clarify. It wasn't that my little sister and I weren't very close. We just butted heads a lot. Me and the twin, my me and my twin sister and the little sister butted heads all the time. That'll happen with but, yeah, younger siblings. So the parents were kind of yeah, the parents were kind of like you know the regular working husband, working father, and. Um, stay-at-home mom okay um was it i don't want to draw conclusions so i'll I'll just ask you to fill in the blanks about like you said he was a window cleaner 
Because like mm -hmm. four kids is a lot of kids. And I'm wondering like yeah. what that looks like. Because uh, I don't, I guess I don't put that salary like super high as far as growing up in, in that condition. So what yeah, is. Yeah, especially with four kids. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, so... I'm scared of having one kid. I'm like, how does that work? Everything's expensive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. And it's only going up. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the the business he worked for was actually a family business. So they were the highest paid window cleaners in Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, it was family. So he worked with his brother. Now they didn't they didn't get along so great, but it was also he's he'd been working there since he was like eighteen. So he'd been there for a long time. Um, in fact, up until he had had a stroke in two thousand and thirteen, oh, he was with them from eighteen to however old he was in 2013. <laughs> and that's that your father had a stroke in 2013. That's who that yes. is. Yes. Um, like, yes. Did he make it? Did you lose him? I don't want to jump ahead. Yeah, he made it. He, um, <laughs> gotcha. He, um, I guess he had it in the evening time. So it really kind of worked out, which whenever you have a stroke, of course, there's never really, like a great circumstance, but Thank God it was I guess this was yeah, good enough. Exactly. Yeah. Um, my mom heard him coughing. And so she asked him like, are you okay? And she said, he wouldn't answer me. So she said right then and there, she knew he was having a stroke, which she told him you're having a stroke. So she told my nephew, which is my youngest daughter or youngest daughter, youngest sister's son to go get my twin sister to call 911. I don't know why she, I think she was just staying with him to make sure he was okay and everything. Yeah. And so it all got into the hospital, got the blood clot taken care of. And um, yeah, he's he's been doing good ever since. He's still a little weak on the right side, but other than that, it hasn't really taken much out of him. Yeah, I, I think from what I understand, timing is the most important thing in, in that situation. Yeah. That's wild. Well, I'm glad he made, that, made it through there. Um, rewinding uh I, so i'm so curious about the dynamic between you and your sister and like if anything sticks out from from when you guys are kids you said you didn't get along like with your sister uh your little sister but what what does that look like growing up like as a twin i mean i have a billion questions about like identity and and <laughs> habits and yeah I, um, trust me i have a lot of stories i'm sure regarding that. but i also don't want to like make that the the focal point necessarily uh right. but like you know early memories growing up uh and you said you were homeschooled which i have a billion questions about that but what is that like yeah. growing up with a twin i mean looking back what are some of the frustrations some of the cool things like i think some of the cool things was definitely um uh, there almost is. I, I've heard people, and in fact, of course, I've been asked tons of times, uh, is twin telepathy a thing? I'm like, I feel like it is in a way. Um, I'll say as, as far as some of the earliest memories, like we moved to the house that you would have, that I would have met you yeah. at if this, you know, if, if this, this pans out, yeah. we moved to the house before, <laughs> but, um, so the, the house prior to that house, you know, I, I remember some instances of being a toddler, of course, very, very blurry, but I just know we were into everything. Um, and one story my mom likes to tell us is that one time she went to go take a shower, which doing so when you have toddlers is especially two of them. I only have one toddler. I can't imagine having two the same age, but we climbed over the baby gate, got into the kitchen took a bite out of every apple and threw them all in the trash. So she was not happy about that. Uh, so it kind of really essentially like a partner in crime. And then some of the frustrating things, and I'll also tell a story to go with this one, um, is when we got our first jobs, we both worked at the same dental office. Now the hiring staff knew there was two separate individuals, but the owner, he, I guess he didn't pay enough attention. So at first he didn't really realize there was two of the two of us. And he was an older man. I think at that time he would have been in his late sixties, early seventies. Um, and we didn't work the same schedule either. So I can, you know, to give him a little bit of credit, you know, we weren't yeah. there at the same time necessarily, yeah. but he didn't catch on for a while that there was two of us. Um, well, one time she did something and she got in trouble. Um, he kind of yelled at her. And so she 
she wrote him a nasty note and stuck it on his office door. And the next day I came into work, he sent her home that day and he told her, you know, we'll call you when you need you, which is, you you're know, <laughs> in other, yeah, in other terms, you're fired. So I came in the next day and then he yelled at me and I was always so, um, like a pushover and I didn't really stick up for myself when I was a lot younger. So I just kind of sat there and took it and, you know, I had tears in my eyes. And then finally, when he was done, I was like, well, that wasn't me. And he said, well, when one of you's mad, both of you are mad. So <laughs> that's not how that works, but I guess if that's how you take it. And yeah, she was definitely more of the, um, like how uh, she was very like free spirited, but she still is yeah. um, very bold where I was more of like laid back and quiet. I'm curious how that, um, I mean, in your perspective, like how that panned out growing up, um, you know, obviously there's, there's nature, there's nurture. And do you think one of you like took on the middle sibling role more than the other um, how did, like, how did that pan out to where you guys had those different personalities, um, but grew up in the same household, same age, same, like, what, what do you think that that was, or is that just what naturally occurred? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say I definitely felt more like the middle child in the way of, um, how do I want to say it? So my little sister was kind of, she always kind of got her way and got away with a lot of stuff. And my twin sister, like I said, she was very much, she would stick up for herself. So, and I was laid back and quiet. So I would always take this back seat. So if it came to, you know, they say the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yeah. Um, it was my twin sister. She was not afraid to tell my mom like, Hey, that's not fair. Where me, you know, I was like, okay, fine. Whatever. You know, as yeah. long as everybody's happy, I don't really care. You want to keep so, the peace at all costs. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, especially, you know, my mom having to deal with four of us, yeah. you know, that was pretty intense. Um, so again, yeah, I would try to keep the peace. I was like, I'm fine with whatever. <laughs> now I had my moments, of course, yeah, yeah. but more often than not, I um, was like, okay, whatever. That's, and how much older is the older sibling? Six, six years older. Oh, that's yeah. A huge gap there. Yeah. Okay. And when my mom was trying for, uh, well, she got us. So of course, she was just trying for one, and she only wanted to have one more after that. Um, well, and a funny thing about the twins. So, of course, you know who's really expecting to have twins? It's always almost almost always a surprise, unless I guess you do um, like IVF or like that yeah. or yeah. yeah. So, she said when she went for her ultrasound, she saw like the two heads together, and she goes, "It looked like a snowman," <laughs> and yeah so of course you know they tell her you're having twins and um she had brought the um ultrasound image um to my grandma I, I don't know maybe they didn't do images at the time i don't really remember i just know she brought it to my grandma which was um jay's wife yeah. all right i don't think they were together anymore at the time but marge um and my yeah marge and my grandma had just saw a special, I want to say it was Oprah, but it could have been any talk show about Siamese twins. And my mom said, you know, mom, I'm having twins. And she said, Oh my gosh, no, you're not. We're going to be stuck together. <laughs> and so she was, she was really nervous up until, you know, up until they I don't were know, like, they're not stuck together. <laughs> grandma, yeah. grandma, they're not yeah. stuck together. I don't, and I don't know if at that time if they did multiple ultrasounds, like if my mom had another one after then and, my grandma just had to wait till we were born. Yeah. I guess I never really asked my mom that part either, but yeah, my grandma was a little nervous that we were going to be conjoined twins. Well, congrats that you weren't. Yeah. <laughs> At least I think. Um, <laughs> we had our own show. No, yeah. So when you're in the terrible middle school years and, and getting into high school, like those times when you're really starting to like form an individual identity, like, do you think that was any different for you guys as twins or for yourself um, than it would have been for anyone else? Uh, and like, what, what did that look like? How did that, and that, that middle child that you took on that role, like how, what, how did that play into that? Yeah, I would say that um, there was so many factors 
as far as developing like our individual personalities. My twin sister was always more girly though. Um, and I always was more tomboyish. So naturally we kind of went, you know, went our ways with that. Yeah. She always liked to wear makeup. In fact, she still wears makeup daily where I don't. Um, and she, we always had the same t- taste in music though. So that always worked out for us. That was always good. But yeah. And then there, the other factor, aside from being homeschooled as well, we were also raised Jehovah's Witness. So that was a little bit challenging, especially trying to form an identity or, you know, yeah. um, are you, do you still identify like that way? Hmm. No. When did you stop doing believe? I think it was 19. Okay. So yeah. were you homeschooled throughout all of school? Yes. Oh, okay. From K through high school and all the way to, um, you know, 12th grade. All right. Disregard yeah. all my questions. I'm so, <laughs> just, no, no, not mm-hmm. really. But that, I mean, that time, like a lot of that time is, is social development. Like what, what is your, what does your social life look like being? Yeah. A lot of our friends were from either the neighborhood we grew up in or from the church or the kingdom hall as they call it um of course the neighborhood kids were a lot more fun because you know you didn't have to worry about them running and telling you know telling on you jehovah's witness um the church the kingdom hall was a little more stressful because again like i said um trying to form your identity you had to be really careful about certain parts of things that you might have about yourself or your personality because depending on who was around you, you know, they might use it against you. Yeah. What is that? What role does that play that religion in your household, that lifestyle? So my mom is still a member of the Jehovah's witness. And then none of us are all of us left at some point. I think my twin sister was the last to leave in maybe somewhere between 2017, 2018. Okay. So she was, she was rather recent. She was actually baptized. None of us, none of the rest of us were baptized. Are you baptized later as Jehovah's Witness? No, aren't you, I was never baptized. No, I'm saying actually, like, as generally speaking, because aren't in other, in other religions, aren't you baptized like as a baby? Yeah, I think, now I don't know about all religions, but Catholics for sure. I believe they baptize as babies. Yeah. And um, Jehovah's Witnesses, they actually, they do it a little bit different. They always want you to kind of make that choice your own. So, I mean, you can get baptized young, but typically they want you to, um, I don't want to say jump through hoops because it's sort of like a a set guidelines that you have to kind of meet before you can become baptized. Yeah. And again, you know, you can meet those at any age that they want you to basically make that dedication choice yourself. Can we go down that rabbit hole a second? Cause (laughs) the, um, you know, I, I try to dive into different religions um, as much as I can just to, like, un- just understand because I'm not a religious person. And so, like, this typically gives me a good outlet to ask questions. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, generally speaking, like most people I know, when it comes to Jehovah's Witness, it's it's like other than not celebrating holidays and birthdays, there's not a bunch of of other stuff that I know. So, yeah. And I, I don't want to put you on the spot to like explain this entire religion to me, but <laughs> is there, I mean, generally speaking, it's a otherwise Christian religion, right? Yeah. It's very, I've heard that it's very similar to Baptists okay. um, as far as their beliefs go. The only thing that they really do differently than other religions, I would say, aside from the, um, the which you just mentioned about the holidays yeah um and then like we were talking about the baptism they again they kind of have you make that choice versus baptizing you when you're a baby um they do the preaching which i believe also mormons and seventh day Adventists do as well um and there might be others i'm not entirely sure but they do the door-to-door preaching um and they do not allow like blood transfusions um they believe you know blood is holy and so essentially if my arm gets chopped off and if i'm a jehovah's witness 
if blood could save me, I have to refuse it. Unless, of course, you're unconscious. I mean, they still want you to refuse it. They want you to carry around a card that'll say, you know, no blood transfusions. So unless you're unconscious and they somehow surpass that, yeah. you know, you might get blood. But otherwise, you have to refuse all blood transfusions. Is the what's the can you can you elaborate at all on the the holiday thing like the reasoning behind that do you know or is it, oh <laughs> i got a smirk yeah. out of you for that one. so yes. well we'll start with birthdays because for one we don't you know they didn't celebrate birthdays i yeah. almost said the royal we i'm not i am no longer i i do not identify as jehovah's witness but so they do not celebrate birthdays because um and in fact, and I should know this, this is terrible, but the one um, story in the Bible about birthdays, um, I can't remember whose birthday, <laughs> that's why I say it's horrible, I should know, but um, somebody had a birthday in the Bible and it ended up where somebody was beheaded. And so basically they use that to say, like, you know, look at this poor example of celebrating your own self, you should give glory to God. Yeah. Why are you celebrating yourself? And um, then as far as the holidays go, um, I don't know if there's so much biblical scripture to really give a reason. I'm sure there is, but from what I understand or what I was always told is that most holidays are rooted in paganism or, you know, the pagan holidays. And so they say they practice as the first Christians and the first Christians did not celebrate pagan holidays. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not wrong. (laughs) Yeah. um, So, Okay. But, you know, they also did in the 70s, you were allowed to smoke cigarettes. And then later on, they said, oh, well, no, cigarettes are bad. No cigarettes. So, you know, I guess they had to kind of figure out their footing. Well, thank you for entertaining my questions. Um, I'm always curious about that. And I guess on that same level, then jumping back to those teenage years and, and kind of figuring out who you are that seems like a la- an extra layer of restriction on, on figuring that out. But you yeah. said you left at 19. Yes. So what, um, I guess, what does that look like when you reach the equivalent of what your senior year would be like when homeschool? Yeah. So at the time I was working and I, you know, I was also doing my school because it was a correspondence school. So it was pretty easy to kind of come home and um, you know, read through whatever now with math I had to have a tutor because I was terrible at math it was very um just very complicated for me especially when I got to algebra so I had to have a tutor for that um history I will be 100% honest um my oldest sibling did the same correspondence school so I cheated in history can I ask a dumb question because I've heard this term before and I guess now that you're saying it a couple times I'm like what is what is that what is a correspondence school is that I don't know what it looks like now, but at the time, um, you would get like your books. So of course you had, it, it was essentially the same things at high school. It's like you had your set subject subjects and then like your general, um, uh, courses, and then you had electives. So they would send you the course book and then an exam book. Okay. And, um, you would just basically read the exam book and figure out what chapters you need to read for the exam. And it was like maybe a couple pages of what you would needed to study and then what you needed for the exam. If there was anything that was needed, it's just like an aspect of, of homeschool that kind of prepares you for your general education requirement. Yeah. And uh, so it just gave you like a rundown of what you need or, you know, what the, the um, exam was going to be about or covering and stuff like that. Yeah. Overall I did pretty well. I would say I had a 3.66. So it was fairly easy, thankfully, but man, algebra, <laughs> not my favorite. Not at all. Do you credit that to to being homeschooled? Like you weren't set I, up I would for say it so. Or... Yeah. I would say so because, you know, of course, everybody learns differently. Yeah. And in my earlier years, my mom taught me math and, you know, maybe I just didn't understand it the way that she did. Um, so I think I definitely think that probably played a big part in that. Yeah. Okay. Do. Um, so, sorry, I interrupted you to ask about correspondence schools. <laughs> so <laughs> what, uh, what does that look like then finishing up that school? And like, is college the next thing on the radar? Or is that, 
Oh. Well, so in yeah. fact, that to go back to our Jehovah's Witness question, you know, they don't really believe in secular. I can't believe I didn't think of that when you asked me. So they don't really encourage college after high school. Um, and they really don't totally encourage marriage. Now, they, they're fine with marriage, of course, between a husband and wife, a man and woman. Um, but so, you know, even though I left when I was 19, I graduated kind of late too because my my little sister wanted to be enrolled so my mom enrolled her before me so I actually didn't get enrolled in high school until I was 15 so I didn't graduate until I was later 18 but going on to 19 yeah. um for the four years so even though at that time um I wasn't really like 100% devoted to the Jehovah's Witness religion you know I didn't really have money to go to college and I was still, I hadn't quite left yet. So there was no, no plans for college. Okay. And then the what's time. the catalyst that like gets you to want to leave? Um, I would definitely say that I didn't like the religion a lot, even as a child, because I would, you know, now as an adult, I realized how much it stressed me out, but I didn't really know it was stressful as a child. Um, I just knew that. You know, of course, you know, it's usually as most religions are, it's fear based teaching that you need to do this or you're going to, yeah. this is going to happen. And, you know, this is never good. A lot of rules. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and um, I would say we were definitely under a microscope as one, my oldest sibling, she, well, he, but she at the time, my oldest sibling told another girl that she had a crush on her. And so we were on a, under a microscope for that. And then my dad was never a part of the religion. So I think that also played a factor in it. So we were kind of like the bad sheep, even though we didn't really do anything necessarily bad, yeah. but it was like our behavior was watched more closely. I felt like than other people. Now I can't speak for everyone. So I don't, you know, maybe they felt the way the same way too, yeah. but I just felt like no matter what we did, it was like those young girls. Are your parents together this whole time? Yes. Okay. And yes. And they're still together now. How does that work where your dad isn't a Jehovah's witness? Like, is that, I know you just kind of said that kind of put you guys on a microscope. Um, mm -hmm. cause yeah, I, I guess how does that work? It seems very restrictive. Like it's one of those things. So if my mom had gotten with him and he wasn't a Jehovah's witness, like, and she already was, you know, they really frown upon that. But what happened, you know, how she ended up becoming a Jehovah's Witness, this would have been after my oldest sibling was born. So sometime between 84 and 85, um, one of my mom's good friends, somebody that I consider my aunt, came to her door and my mom just invited them in and said, you know, I want to study. I want to become a Jehovah's Witness. And so sometime in the 80s, I know she was baptized either in 89 or 90. And my dad just never got into it. Um, did that and... I don't want you to like dive into anything that's not your story, but did that cause, <laughs> like, do you remember seeing friction between your parents because of that? Um, I would say yes, as far as the religion, but not, not terribly. Like my mom didn't ever try to force it on him. Yeah. You know, she very much maintained like, you know, your belief is your belief, but sometimes he would be, um, you know, he would tease her a little bit about the religion and I would say she was a little sensitive towards that. So yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious. Going back to you, you, you're 19. What, what is it that you're like, I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. So at the time I was actually dating somebody that would have been considered worldly. Um, and my twin sister was getting married at the time. Can you define and... worldly? What is that? <laughs> oh, Someone okay. Not in so the church worldly, or... <laughs> yeah. Yes. Not in the church. So a worldly of the world. So Anybody that's of the world is somebody that's not a Jehovah's Witness. So, again, a worldly boyfriend. And um, my twin sister was getting married. And I guess something had happened at her bridal shower. I, and I don't entirely know the story. In fact, I didn't never, I never asked either, like, the entirety of what happened. Because I was like, this didn't work out well for me. <laughs> so my sister's husband-to-be said, well, you know that your daughter's, because my little sister was dating somebody who was worldly as well. He said, did you know that your daughters are dating worldly boys or something along those lines? So my mom called me and 
she was coming home from this event or yeah, she would have been coming home from the event. Um, trying to remember it as it happened. And she said, I have a question for you. Um, are you dating somebody that's worldly? And of course I knew not to lie to her, even though I clearly had been lying to her. I was really just withholding information, but (laughs) essentially a lie. And, um, so of course I told her, well, yeah. And then she kind of imposed a, um, um, why is that? She, a curfew. curfew. Yeah. Yeah. Curfew. After that had happened, you know, we had to go to the church and explain, you know, what we're doing. Cause what they like to do is if you commit a sin or anything that it goes against their rules and regulations, we'll call it. Um, you have to have a meeting with the elders. And I think the worst for me was one of the elders was my, one of my friends growing up. It was her father. So it was almost like meeting with your father, but both my parents were there as well. And it was just, it was very awkward. It was very weird. I, and after that, I was like, you know what? I don't know if this, at the time, I didn't know if the religion was true or not. Now I feel like I have no belief in it whatsoever. Um, But at the time I was like, you know what, whatever happens, happens. If I die at Armageddon. uh, Oh, and in fact, I think that's another belief they hold differently, a little bit differently than other Christians, they don't believe when you die that you go to heaven. So if I die, you know, as Jehovah's Witness or, you know, they just believe that you go back to earth and that we'll be resurrected whenever Armageddon comes. And then there's going to be in a thousand year reign um, and the 144,000 are going to rule with Jesus. And then eventually there's going to be a new earth and everyone will live there. So it's a very unique religion. 144,000 is pretty small population. <laughs> Yeah, well, and, but those, those are the 144,000 are they going to be the angels with Jesus and then everybody else gets to live on a paradise earth. Um, so growing up, we were always talking about, oh, I'm gonna have a tiger when I live on the paradise earth or, you know, whatever wild animal because, you know, they believe that once you go to that paradise earth that there will be no more sin or no more death and destruction. So, you know, of course, what would a tiger do? He's not going to kill you. So you can keep it as a pet. Yeah, sure. So logic's there. Um, (laughs) that's, I mean, that's gotta be, it just sounds like, like the meeting with the elders and stuff, like explaining your behavior, there's so much shaming involved, Yeah, which is like the heart of a lot of trauma is, is, is shame. Yeah. Well, and I would say that honestly, I didn't, I didn't stop kind of believing that Armageddon was going to come until at least around 2016, 2017. Like that was kind of like, when it I didn't really come released. 2012. I'll give this a few more years, but then I yeah. <laughs> no, that, that was, ter- that was actually kind of terrifying. I, because, well, for one, because I was also pregnant that year and I had my daughter in June and I kept thinking, man, if this really does happen, that would really, really just suck to only have like you know five months four months with your newborn child yeah and of course that came and went but i mean do you remember that saying no it was 2011 do you remember the rapture there was supposed to be a rapture in 2011 there was a lot of things (laughs) um yeah (laughs) specifically no but that doesn't i mean it doesn't sound crazy i was at an applebee's that day and I was like, it looks too nice for there to be a rapture today. Yeah, I, don't, so. I don't think are we sure the rapture's supposed to be. I don't. I don't have rapture on the schedule until next month. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's funny. So you're being punished for dating somebody. You have to explain yourself. You start thinking, I don't think this is for me. Mm-hmm. And then is and there, I what, just you go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, so this is the the last time that I'll ever step foot in a kingdom hall, which really wasn't the last time I did go one other time when my twin sister was, um, she had like a, a presentation at one of the churches. And so I did go, um, you know, just watch her and support her. Um, but yeah, I left after that and never, never went back. You know what that noise is? It's peanuts. And you know what goes good with peanuts? Some great non-alcoholic beer. So head over to wellbeingbrewing.com, use code FRIENDREQUEST, or just go to wellbeingbrewing.com slash FRIENDREQUEST, and you can save 10% on your next order of delicious non-alcoholic beer. 
That's right. It's beer, but there's no alcohol. See, it's like you get the good flavors of beers, but there's no alcohol. Are you, are you getting this? Does it make sense? Okay, head over there. Back to the episode. What, um, is that, did you get like any backlash from your, like from your family? Um, cause isn't, isn't Jehovah's Witness, and I apologize if this is incorrect, but isn't this like the religion where like, oh, if you leave it, we're not talking to you anymore. Like you're not a part of this. So yeah. did you get any of that? Typically so. And I, I think the reason I really didn't was because I never got baptized. So typically I think whenever you're baptized, you really do get like the, the full shunning. And of course it really depends on the family too. So my mom, of course she wasn't happy about it, but she never um, shunned me. Um, and that's just the word I'm going to use. Cause it, that's technically what they do. Shunning. They yeah. shun you, even though they say, well, we're doing it to protect the church. You know, they, they call it, if you're baptized, you get disfellowshipped. Um, since I was not baptized, I was, I became an, I think it's the, the term they use is unapproved associate, or I don't know if they say disapproved associate, so but something <laughs> either way I am, I'm technically shunned, but because I was never baptized, I don't think they can, they'll, I don't think they'll fully shun me. Yeah. There's because, no formal paperwork. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now if you do get disfellowshipped or, or disapproved or unapproved, you can always repent from your sins and write a letter and say that you want to be welcomed back into the church. And of course you have to be on good behavior, kind of like going to jail. <laughs> You've got to be on good behavior to get, to get on, released. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't foresee, yeah. I don't foresee that happening on my end. I've been curious to go to a church down here in Texas. Cause of course all that happened in Michigan, but I don't think I, I don't think I could see myself doing it. not in, in interest of being like, I want to become religious, but just, I just want to see what's going on. Yeah. But I think I'll stay away. <laughs> Steer clear from that. Yeah. I imagine you have uh, a good amount of like religious wounds from, <laughs> from that. Yeah. A lot of religious trauma for sure. I did um, briefly go to church um, with my current boyfriend um, they're and now they're Cambodian, but they also do, uh, well, they're, they call it the Cambodian church of Christ. I think it's essentially like a Baptist branch of religion, something like that. And, you know, I went to a few of their meetings or I don't know how they describe them, their church gatherings. And I was like, yeah, this isn't still isn't for me. And even though it's a different religion, this is, yeah, still bringing up stuff. I don't want to be here. Yeah. So I, I don't go. Do you, so did I hear you correctly? You're when you were leaving, so you're 19, your twin is getting married, yes. And she was marrying into the religion. Um, that so is young, actually, yeah. <laughs> hmm? that is very young. What did that, what did that do for your relationship with your sister? Um, with her like getting married and and going off and doing that and staying in the church, yeah. it Definitely, I would say it kind of put a little bit of a wedge between us. Now, I didn't so much focus on that because at the time I had also, um, like I said, I was in my own relationship yeah. and I moved out and so I was really supporting myself. But for her, I guess she felt like there was more tension than I really realized there was. Now, I will say I was kind of bothered by the fact that, of course, because she was getting married in the Jehovah's Witness Church. I couldn't be a part of the wedding, but, um, yeah, it definitely caused us kind of drift apart at that time. We weren't as close as we were and are now. Um, I think of all of the siblings, of course, we're kind of the closest cause yeah. we're twins, you know, uh, we shared I, a lot of I the same experiences. <laughs> so then what, what are you doing in your life? You're moving out. Um, did you, did, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess what, what's going on. Yeah. Your yeah. worldly relationship, you're, you're moving out. What's, what's yeah. life like, or did you decide in anything on college or anything like that? No, at the time I was still working the same job that I was working and had graduated and I was with my boyfriend and I moved into his house before us. I didn't really consider college because for one, the means were not there. Um, 
And again, my dad and his window salary, window cleaning salary with the four kids, you know, there wasn't really yeah. much savings, especially not for four of us. So that's what student loans are for, Stephanie. You can look at mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what a lot of people had mentioned, but I guess at the time I was just like, eh, I don't really care. Cause again, the mindset I had was, well, Armageddon is coming at some point. So why, yeah. why, why would I, college? you know, whatever yeah. yellow, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it ended up that the job I was working kind of got the company was bought out by some other larger company. And of course they let everyone go. Um, I ended up getting a job at a uh, dental insurance customer or the call center it was a pretty good job, especially for my age. I was like 19 and I think I would have, I started making 15 an hour, but they, I went through a temp agency. So when they were going to hire me permanently, they were going to, of course, give me the benefits and 16 an hour or something like that. But then my now ex-boyfriend, his family had gotten, his mom got a job offer in Houston. And so we packed up and moved to Houston. So, so that's what takes I left you to that Texas. Behind. Yeah. And so, and again, my mindset was kind of like, well, you know, Armageddon's coming at some point, might as well. <laughs> you know, I had, I literally had no plan because my mindset was that, oh, you know, Armageddon's coming. So, you know, I'll just go with the flow essentially. And so, yeah, I ended up in Houston and I did not, I liked it initially in the winter because we moved in February it was great. Like the weather was probably in the 60s, 70s. So it's almost like short weather. Of course, in Michigan, we're wearing shorts usually in the 60s and 70s, yeah. like when spring happens. Yeah. So down there, I was like, I'm in shorts. I'm seeing people in like sweaters and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. they probably think like, who's this crazy person in shorts? From um, the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. But then oh, when the summer hit, it is humid. And then there's so many oil refineries down here. The only memories I really have is for one, it being really hot and um, the oil refineries just giving me like constant headaches. It was not the, the best. So oh. I would never scratch Houston off my list and never move back there. I'm in Dallas now and I love Dallas. Yeah. So this explains to me some stuff. Cause so you've been in Texas, what, like over 10 years. Yes. Yeah. And in 2011, I briefly moved back to Michigan, but then I did come back down to Texas in May of 2012. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I was, uh, when we first started talking, I was like, she's got a Texas accent hidden in there. Oh, can I was you, like, you know, I was the like, funny how thing? is that possible? But okay. 10 years or no, not longer than 10 years, the I guess. Funny thing is wait till we meet in Michigan, because then you're going to be like, where is it? Oh, I'm I sure, don't know yeah. what it is. And in fact, I was, I was talking to a coworker about this the other day. Cause we were talking about gestures. And, you know, where do gestures come from? Because you would think they come from the people you're around, but not entirely. And that's a whole different topic. <laughs> but um, it's almost as if I get to the airport and my brain's just like switch on the Michigan ac accent because it does. It becomes like so exaggerated. That's so funny. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, new life in Texas. You what? Tell me about uh, 2011. You said you went back home. I'm guessing you're pregnant at that point, you said, right? Yeah. And so the, the relationship, the reason why I moved to Texas, that dissolved. And of course I got with my daughter's dad. Um, and we briefly moved back to Michigan. I think it was just really homesick. And I thought, well, you know, the job that you can do that, the job that he was doing, um, can be done in Michigan. So why not try to move, move up there and, you know, put a, a foundation up, up there. Cause my family's all there and we moved back and things were not great financially for sure. So he ended up coming back down to Texas and then I followed shortly after because I was like, okay, I guess he kind of left with the, the idea. He said, well, I'm just going to go and make some money. And cause he did repossession vehicle repossession. And he said, well, I'll just go and kind of make like some good paychecks and come back. And I had a false labor. Well, I wouldn't even call it a false labor. I had some back pain that was bothering me. And my brother-in-law, the one, my twin sister's husband took me to a hospital and I don't remember why he couldn't reach me by cell phone, but my daughter's dad couldn't reach me by cell phone. So he called the hospital and they transferred him to the room that I was in. But the, the phone was on the opposite side of the wall. And I was strapped to the bed because when you're pregnant and if you go to the hospital, of course, they put a meter over your stomach. 
to hear the heartbeat for the baby. So the phone's ringing, but I'm thinking, you know, I'm not thinking it's for me. Of course, I'm not going to unstrap myself either and get up and go get it. Yeah. So they tell him, you know, the call comes back and he said, well, she didn't pick up. And they said, um, oh, she must be in labor then. And so, of course, he panicked and made arrangements to come back up to Texas and or to Michigan. And, of course, I talked to him after the hospital and I explained to him what happened because I didn't know at the time that he, you know, he's going through what he's going through. And, you know, my mind's just like, oh, I had some back pain and it was really bothering me and I'm pregnant. And yeah. I mean, it could it could have been a sign of labor. And that's what I was a little bit worried about. But I think it was just like one of those things where the baby was sitting on my sciatic nerve or something like that and just really causing some discomfort where I couldn't sleep. So I was like, OK, got to go to the hospital. So um, I talked to him. He's like, well, I don't care. I'm going to come get you. You know, why did your brother-in-law just drop you off and leave? And I was like, because it wasn't like there was nothing like nothing to make him think that he should have stayed, which of course he came and picked me up afterwards and took me home. He even took me by Taco Bell. I love Taco Bell. Uh, And when I was pregnant, Taco Bell and Dr. Pepper when I was pregnant with my daughter was like my thing. Stephanie, Taco Bell and Dr. Pepper at any time is a good thing. Pregnant or not. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. Now I am a Baja Blast fan, but when I was pregnant, (laughs) you couldn't, I couldn't turn down to Dr. Pepper so much so that I got a kidney stone, which was horrible. And it is almost as bad as labor. I would say it's worse than labor. Jeez. Um, yeah. Yeah. Holes. So drink smaller. your drink water when you're pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I said the hole is much smaller. Um, for, for yeah. Oh. Uh, so, what does that look like? Uh, I mean, well, let me let me ask the big question. Tell me about becoming a mom. <laughs> it was scary and exciting, and. Um, does this happen in Michigan or Texas? In Texas. The plan was to have her in Michigan, but it, you know, it didn't really work out. But you're really not supposed to travel when you're pregnant. But again, we were kind of just um, back and forth between – well, I shouldn't say back and forth. I, he was more back and forth than I, but I was in Michigan. He came and got me and said, I don't care. You know, you're coming to Texas with me. So he and I were, again, having kind of financial issues. So we were staying with some people that he um, worked with. And we kind of played a prank on him that, oh, my water broke. So when my water actually did break, I ended up, my water broke at like three, four in the afternoon and he was napping and I was like sitting down and mind you, I was due um, in just a couple of days. It was the 19th and I was due on the 22nd and I was sitting down, I was watching TV and all of a sudden I felt this like weird pop. And honestly, I felt as if I needed to go poop. And I was like, okay, this is like uncomfortable. Maybe I should get up and go to the restroom. Well, when I stood up, that's when like all the water went everywhere. So that was my water breaking. And they, they say that sometimes like if your water breaks, that'll make you feel like you have to go to the bathroom. But um, really it's just because of all the the pressure releasing and all that good stuff. So, um, you know, once I stood up and that happened, the, you know, water goes over amniotic fluid, water, whatever you want to call it goes everywhere. (laughs) I was like, I, woke him up and I said, um, my water broke. And, you know, he thought I was just joking with him. He's like, no, I didn't. And I said, yeah, I did. And he was like, no, I didn't. And so I showed him, you know, water and he started panicking. He's like, oh my gosh. And so he calls 911. They, you know, of course, they're like, this isn't an like, emergency. <laughs> yeah. And they asked me, they said, well, you know, are you in pain? And I was like, not really, you know, at the time, like I was having contractions, but they weren't terrible. Yeah. So they said, well, why don't you just drive to the hospital? So we did. We drove to the hospital. And by the time I got there, the, the contractions were getting more and more uncomfortable. But they're not, I mean, they, they're not comfortable by any means, but they weren't terrible. Yeah. I But I did end up getting the epidural because, you know, I had planned yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah. And I had no prior experience. So, um, I did, I got the epidural and I remember, I remember the doctor asking me, um, are you even pushing? Mind you, this was a male, a male doctor. He was not very friendly. Um, and he wasn't my, my original doctor that I was supposed to have, because of course I was supposed to deliver in Michigan, Yeah. but against kind of not, I guess I wouldn't say against my wishes, but her dad insisted I came down to Texas. So this wasn't the plan. And he said, are you pushing? And I just, you know, that epidural really numbs your legs. And he, he didn't really give me directions on how to push, which sounds funny because 
my, well, when I had my son, the, that doctor, she did give me some directions and it really, she just basically said like, bear down into your bottom and push. And that like, for him, I only had to push nine times for my daughter, I guess, from what her dad said, it was like two hours of labor. Which I do not remember almost any. <laughs> I remember bits and pieces, but I don't remember a lot of that. That's funny. And that's probably because of the epidural. Yeah. Hey, smoke them if you got them. So you have a, you have a daughter. Like all of a sudden, yeah. there's a baby there. What's how how does that feel? What does that look like? Mm. Well, in the hospital, I think it was very like. It was great because, of course, you have the help of the nurses and stuff around you. You know, they bring you the baby and they'll even feed them in the nursery and stuff. So a lot of what you're getting to experience as a new mother is like kind of peaceful. And it's very different from once you you get discharged and then then you're all alone. (laughs) So it was a little terrifying at first. I'm going to open the door for my cat real quick, though. She's like screaming at the door. Is that your cat? I could hear that. I was like... What animal? Hi, kitty. Yeah, she doesn't like to be where I'm not. I know about them t- chatty cats. Uh, yeah. What What's going on with you and her father during this time, and like, how long is he in the picture? So we were staying at it was like um, Super Eight or something like that, and. At one point, he said, well, you know, um, why don't we go stay with those people? Now, this is something I didn't mention when I was talking about the, you know, the people that we were staying with um, yeah. when I was pregnant. Um, things just didn't go great with them. I think at the time, again, okay, how I mentioned how I was kind of more of a pushover and didn't really stick up for myself. Um, the lady just didn't like me. And I think it's some of those things like, you, I don't know what they say, type A personality. I don't know what the, I guess, extrovert, introvert will say. Yeah, yeah she just didn't like me. And so we kind of moved out while I was pregnant. We ended up at the motel. And then again, after I had the baby, he said, well, the best thing would be to go there. Well, within a couple of weeks, I just wasn't really comfortable. So I told him, you know, can you please get me tickets to go to Michigan? And so me and um, her, me and the baby went up to Michigan and we were there for maybe like a month and a half. And I told him, I'm not going to come back until you have somewhere for us to live. And so during the time when I was up there, he got us a house. Um, and it was, it was like um, a trailer. And I was nervous at first because, you know, most trailer homes in Michigan are like, what, the 1960s, 1970s models that are all old and ugly. And But um, he got us a trailer. It was a new trailer. It was nice. So we had somewhere to raise little Sophia. And that was great. We, we were there for about seven years and there was a lot of stuff going on with him. A lot of stuff that I didn't entirely know. So again, he worked repossession and um, like he would usually be paid kind of under the table type. Yeah. Yeah. Way. There's, there's a shady reputation with that, that line of work. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and well, and then I later found out that it was mainly because of child support for his other children. Oh. So eventually, he started getting summons and stuff like that, and um, like late 2015, and then he had to go to court for that stuff. Um, he ended up going to jail in 2016, and once he got out, just you know, I kept telling him that from what I knew, from what people were telling me, is that if he didn't pay it, that they were going to. Um, in Texas, they will take away your driver's license and then your working license, which if you're a repossession agent, you have to have a, um, they call it a TDLR. Yeah. So they ended up taking it away. And I was just like, at the time I was thinking, how am I going to support myself and, you know, this whole family. Are you guys ever my married? No. So but in Texas, actually, I, that probably worked out for the better then. Yeah, we were like, you know what, we'll go our separate ways. And so we did. So you guys go your separate ways. Um, Yeah. Then um, I, the the funny thing is the guy that, you know, the, um, my current boyfriend, we worked together, but I never liked him, never liked him, even after 
the relationship dissolved. It was, he was just, to me, obnoxious. And in fact, he still is obnoxious. <laughs> but somehow, the the plot of the story, the original plot of the story changed. I think because I was single. And he was really, like, whenever I had needed somebody to talk to, I could call him. So he had told me he liked me, like, after the relationship dissolved um, with my daughter's dad. And I was like, no. He, well, he said, I like you. What do you think? I said, no, <laughs> because I was like, he's annoying. And then like a couple months later, I was like, well, maybe I should get to know him a little bit more because, you know, and I should say that the house that my daughter's dad and I lived in, we lived in a city, the city of Hutchins, Texas, which there's hardly anything out there. Um, it's really, I don't even know if it's known for it, but really the only thing out there is like the um, FedEx and then like trains and warehouses. <laughs> like there's not much out there. Yeah. And in fact, our biggest store was Family Dollar that we didn't get until like 2015, 2016. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, well, I don't have very many friends in this area. Most of my friends were on the side of town that he lived in. Like, I was like, well, sure, maybe I'll get to know him. And yeah, somehow we got together. And again, I'm like, he's so annoying. What was that? No, I'm just kidding. I love him to death, but I was like, how did that happen? So we got together and it was actually, it uh, would have been our five years in November. We got together in 2017. So it was five years, just a second week of this month. And then the baby was not too long after. It wasn't planned, but you know, I think that's almost yeah. always the case. And how old your, your baby's three now? Yes. So, how was raising a child throughout the entire pandemic? <laughs> yeah, oh, it was, it was. I think the hardest thing is just not taking him anywhere. Yeah. So now that you know all the restrictions have raised, and I'm like, I feel like he's a, a definitely a quarantine kid. Like taking him out in public is so. I think so exciting for him that, you know, it's kind of hard to get him to stay in one place. And then I feel like that parent that has like the, the kid that everyone's like, oh, get that kid under control. So <laughs> I think it definitely impacted him, Yeah. but I, I don't take him very many places. We just go to families, families' houses a lot. If we we're going to go run to the grocery store, I'm like, you can go with grandma for now. Cause I think at four, I noticed with my daughter, four was like an amazing age for learning for that, you know? Three, I, I felt like with her, she didn't have terrible twos and same with him. I feel like three was a very difficult age. So I'm like, okay, I feel like we're getting to the end of this. Um, I feel like I branched off onto being a mother for a while. Is there anything I didn't bring up that you wanted to talk about? I know we were all over the place. Probably the only other interesting thing about me is like, um, you know, I love going to the gym, obviously, which, you know, again, like we kind of worked around my gym schedule, but, and I actually did become a certified personal trainer. Now, later on, I decided that I, I don't know if I loved it as much as I initially thought. And I think if I actually decide to take it as a career path, I definitely want to do more education around it because so to to become a certified personal trainer it's not that hard literally you can get a course that's maybe a few thousand dollars um i say a few thousand it's like maybe about a grand somewhere somewhere along those lines and i think it's generally between eight to 12 weeks or something like that i think the one i did was about 12 weeks and um so it's almost like a crash course essentially but i think um, and to go back to the, so the college thing. So since I never did college, I think for me, it was really just kind of like, well, why, why not? You know, I never got to do college. Um, so I was like, I think for me, it was kind of like an accomplishment, accomplishment thing also. Like, you know, I never really did anything after high school other than, you know, of course work and have a couple children. And, um, so it would have out and it wasn't, it wasn't too expensive. Like I said, it was only about you know, grand maybe. Um, I took the course and uh, became certified. Um, and I did work briefly as a personal trainer, but that's why I say I'd like to get more education behind it because like one of the major things about personal training is programming and really like structuring a program for your clients. So it's not just like you go in, you put somebody through a workout. Like there should be 
a well-planned reason for that workout. Like, you know, what's their goal and how are you going to get them there? And that was one of the things that they covered in the course of, but you know, not in lengthy detail, but not really so much the nuance. So you think you're looking more for like a coaching kind of role? Yeah. And like I said, I did a little bit of personal training, but then I just really realized like I really just want to focus on myself right now. So I kind of left the gym. So I did, I left and, um, which I already have a job. So it was really only something that I was doing uh, on the side is kind of like, um, something for fun. So I think at some point I probably will do more research behind it. Cause I think it is really fun, especially, you know, when you do have a bit more knowledge behind it than most people. Cause you know, most of the stuff you see is always like kind of like clickbaity. Um, yeah. especially like, and so on TikTok, I like, that's like the biggest part of my TikTok is like almost everything I follow is like a fitness account. And, you know, you really learn, to kind of filter through what is actually useful and what's not, and what is actually just to get views and, you know, what is actually going to benefit you. Um, and it really changed my perspective, um, you know, kind of paying attention to those things, like, you know, different nuances yeah. of whether it was um, actual workouts or nutrition. Um, because I think I always kind of struggled with like my weight and stuff like that. Cause especially growing up in the early two thousands, it was like what Jessica Simpson stepped out and she was a size like six, maybe size eight. And they're like, Oh, she's fat. So of course, if you're not like a size zero, you know, you're like, well, she's fat, but I must be fat. Um, which I was a much smaller when I was a teenager, but of course with all the media and stuff like that, it was like, you know, you're basically brought up to kind of hate your body. Yeah. And then of course that usually leads to like unhealthy relationship with food, which I definitely had, like, I didn't ever have, any disorders or anything like that, but, um, definitely was more restrictive. And once I started like listening to the better professionals or the people that actually have real credentials, uh, it's really just changed my whole mindset because like a year ago I got with a trainer. Um, I hired a personal trainer, um, through the same gym that I was actually working at and working with her. And she, she helped me a lot too. She was, amazing. Like she was so sweet. Um, but at that time I was like, well, I just really want to lose weight. I just really want to lose weight. Now I'm like, I just want to get strong. Like I'm getting stronger. Um, but once you change your mindset, it's funny too. It's like that, then that's when the weight loss comes. Cause I've actually, without even trying lost more weight than when I was trying. But, um, yeah, I think that it's like my biggest hobby is going to the gym And, um, it's funny when, you know, people really underestimate you because you're, you know, what you present, you know, maybe you're, for me, I'm definitely not skinny. And when people see me lift something and I'm like, Whoa, you're strong. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it makes you feel good, especially growing up, not feeling good about yourself because, you know, seen some article in a magazine calling some girl that was not fat, fat. Yeah. And you probably look similar and you're like, oh, that. And then, like, I always thought that the people that were really strong were the people that were in great shape. But no, our bodies are amazing. Yeah. Uh, you do not have to be a size two to lift 200 pounds. <laughs> and I, usually people that are size two probably don't look that much. I mean, of course, everybody's different. But, yeah. you know. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot to be said there when it, Cause a lot of people do do that, right. Where they're like, Oh, I'm going to exercise to uh, obtain this, I don't know, number on a scale, but mm-hmm. it really is like that combination of exercise diet and then mindset. Cause like, yeah. that's a huge piece. Cause no matter how much you exercise or change what you eat, like if you're not addressing it, like root causes of why you think that way and why you behave that way. And like, why you react or respond in the ways that you do. Like, I mean, that's, I'm going to school to be a freaking therapist. Like those are, those yes. are, those are the things that I'm interested in, but I think those determine those other patterns. Um, when it comes to food, when it comes to like the reasons you're exercising, are you, re- are you exercising because you want to be healthy? Or are you exercising because you've been looking at Instagram reels too much and you're like, I need to look like that. Uh, 
you right. know, and that goes back to, to the mindset and the mental health. And I think that's, yeah, great combo platter yeah. there. <laughs> Honestly, yes, because they, and they even um, talk about how in fitness, especially if you are going to become a trainer, that getting people to work out is really not the biggest part of it. It is behavior change because I mean, most people that, you know, when they go seek out a professional, it's because, you know, they didn't, they weren't implementing those behaviors before, or maybe they were, but just struggling with it. So really that's where, you know, a good personal trainer is going to help instill those habits. Um, and also shouldn't shame people for whatever habits they have, because that's obviously not beneficial yeah. to the client. Sometimes we beat ourselves up. Oh, over, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially trying to start something new. All too, all too often. Yeah. 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 I, I, so, I think we could all benefit from giving ourselves a little, a little grace. Yeah. That's what, that's what I try to do, especially this time of year when I'm like, you made yeah. three pies. Awesome. <laughs> um, right. But well, thank all you so right. much well, for doing this. You. Yeah. It was good. It was good talking to you. I'm glad. Uh, and you know, if you ever want to talk non-recorded, I'm, more than open to that as well but yeah i'm glad that we got to do this and if your mom finds that picture please send it to me all right you just listened to my interview with stephanie my cousin have i said that enough times um, <laughs> I was so excited to, to talk to her and I am so gracious, grateful, grateful, not gracious. You should be so gracious. Um, I don't know what I'm saying. I was very grateful that she let me just kind of drill her with questions about Jehovah's Witness. Cause I mean, if you guys listen to the show, you know, I'm kind of fascinated with religion and those kind of smaller stick to themselves sects of Christianity uh, and some other religions are very fascinating to me. And you're going to hear another one next week, which is uh, funny that this timing wise worked out that way. But that was really interesting. And Stephanie, if you're listening, thank you so much for putting up with all of my questions. And uh, to everyone else listening, thanks. Good to have you. I hope you guys enjoyed the Dry January series with a a a bunch of sober people sharing their stories amongst other things. And uh, it's, I'm looking forward to the next few months. And then the summer series is like seemingly around the corner, even though it's only February. It's crazy. But very thankful for all of you for listening. Head on over to patreon.com slash friendrequestpod and you can support the show. It's just about a dollar a month. And I'll tell you what, these microphones are expensive. The monthly hosting fees are not free. There's stuff that goes into this show and I make very little money. So... <laughs> Uh, anything you can do to help the show is always appreciated. And you can show that support at patreon.com slash friend request pod. And if you guys want to see something specific there, let me know. You can message me directly through that, uh, portal and we can make it happen. What do you want? Behind the scenes stuff, uncut interviews, feet pics. You let me know and I'll make it happen. All right. I will talk to you guys next week. I love you so much. Bye-bye.